Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, if you've been with me from the beginning, you've probably noticed that I have a little bit of a name change. And to go with that, the ADH Done community is now free on the lower tier for everyone who wants to enter. So if you're just looking for a place to read some really good uh, info, some helpful articles to connect with people who are going through the same thing as you to watch playbacks that I do, um, where I do live Q and A's with our upper tier people. That is a great place to be. And you can enter the community just by clicking on the link in the description and signing up. So with that, let's get into the video. What's up suckers? I'm back after a nice week break. And uh, it's cloudy here in Costa Rica for some reason, so I really need something to put a smile on my face. If you're new here, hi, I'm Ariana. I am an ADHD coach with a productivity-centered focus, uh, mainly because a lot of us beat ourselves up over what we think productivity is, what we've been told productivity is. And so helping people get things done tends to lead us down the roads that we need to go down anyway. And I'm referring to uh, our needs for mindset changes, for self-compassion, things like that. So it's a great job to have. It's a great thing to help with and I'm happy to do it. For those of you who are coming back, welcome back. I'm really glad to have you. And uh, I just realized that my son left one of his gloves on my mic stand, so um, no, that's cool. Anyway, I thought that today uh, would be a little bit different because usually I talk about just productivity and getting things done, but I wanted to talk about one of the biggest questions that I get or one of the uh, most common things that I get asked, which is how did I know I had ADHD and how did I get my diagnosis? So with that, let's get into my ADHD symptoms and how I got diagnosed. So I wanted to go ahead and drop a couple caveats. The first being that my story is going to be my story. We are not monoliths. We are not all the same person as, uh, as a brilliant therapist once told me, if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. I am a black bisexual woman living in Costa Rica. I am not you and you are not me. So if your story does not match me perfectly, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have ADHD. Uh, in fact, it very much could be that you do and you just don't have it as badly as me, or it could be that you have something else because ADHD shares a lot of similarities with a lot of other different things. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I don't think this is a shock to anyone, but I am not a doctor. Okay. I majored in English. Uh, so don't use me as a diagnostic tool. Um, don't try to you know watch this video and then say well that means i have adhd i i am not for diagnosis i definitely suggest that you should talk to a person who is much smarter than me that would be a specialist who specializes in adhd um but otherwise i am happy to share my story because that's how i figured out what was going on with myself so um yeah so let's go ahead and talk about my uh my symptoms first so I was diagnosed with ADHD um, in 2021, so last year, at the age of 35, like freshly after I turned 35 years old. 
And I really didn't even think that that could be possible because, and a lot of people will agree to this, ADHD is poorly named. I was not a hyperactive kid in the slightest. In fact, I started liking naps a lot earlier than most kids do. I was like nine or 10. <laughs> and uh, that was around the time that I started just like needing naps all the time. I was always tired. I shouldn't say I was always tired. I was always down for a nap. Uh, and I was not high energy. I didn't run all over the place. And uh, actually it has been found, while this can, again, change depending on the person, most women, and before I continue, I just wanna say that I'm going to be using the terms women and men um, more for ease of speaking, more for ease of, of uh, communication, but please know that you know, what you identify as is valid and I am in no way trying to invalidate that. So anyway, women are generally found to be busier mentally than physically. And that is part of the reason why so many women were underdiagnosed as children. And I was one of them. My mind was always going. I was always creating. I was always focused on other things. Uh, and I was just constantly out of the moment that I was in physically at that moment. But you wouldn't have caught me running around. You wouldn't have caught me being, you know, overly busy. In fact, the closest that I can get to that is that I talked a lot, um, which is also a very common thing. We overshare, we talk a lot. And that was something that was very true from the day uh, that I was able to talk. Um, I regularly got to hear from teachers that I was a delight to have in class, but that I had a real problem with talking too much and uh, distracting the other kids. One thing that should have been a sign, but you know, to be fair, I grew up at a time where ADHD was really just a problem child. And I'm using air quotes here because obviously we know better now, problem child disease. It was something that people used to explain a child who was not easy to control, who was all over the place, and who needed to sit the fuck down. So um, obviously I did not know that this was a thing, but if I could go back in time, it would be so obvious. Uh, I forgot things all the time. My short-term memory was horrible. And I really had no reason to have terrible short-term memory, but, and, and this is just me theorizing here, I think that a lot of us tend to get so lost in our daydreams or, or so lost on the next moment or the moment after that, that sometimes we forget to focus on what's going on in that moment. And so because we're usually one or two moments ahead or in a completely other world or completely other world, um, that's not an ADHD symptom. That's just me not being able to speak apparently. Um, but we're, we're so kind of in la la land, you know, in one way or another that we miss what we are supposed to be doing at that time. And what I mean by that is that I regularly got in trouble with my parents for doing my homework and not turning it in. And it wasn't on purpose. It was just because I would do it. I would shove it into a very, very disorganized, messy backpack. And then I would go to school and I would forget that I shoved it into my backpack. Disorganization 
is obviously another very popular one. Uh, and that was huge for me as well. There are a lot of reasons why disorganization is a big problem for ADHDers. Uh, I was no different. I still am uh, no different. I'm much better when it comes to tasks. But if you could see my desk, you know, it's covered in papers. It's covered in in uh, post-it notes. It's covered in pens. And we just technically can't function without mess. I mean, we can, but we can't. And I was one of those people. And many of us, the reason why we struggle so much with organization is because organization calls for things that we already struggle with, right? We struggle with routine. We struggle with not getting distracted. Uh, We struggle with memory. And so, you know, I was no different. A lot of the time, uh, I would start out a school year ready to go, I'd have like my little, you know, Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and I would have my notebooks already, and I would tell myself, I'm going to be so put together this year, this is going to be the year, and by like a month later, I was a mess again, you know, my backpack was filled with a bunch of papers and and notes that I had completely forgotten to just put away, I just shoved them in there, and they were like, in the bottom, almost kind of making like a, a false bottom for my backpack at this point. Um, I regularly would tell myself that I was going to make sure that I kept notes and that they would be good notes and that they would be uh, easy notes and to, to read and, and keep updated on. And they never were. They were always a mess. And that's because organization calls for an ADHD brain to not only remember to put things away, but to also not get so distracted by the next moment that we take the time to put things away. And most of us can't do that. And honestly, for a lot of us, as long as we're organizing the right things, it's really not horribly important that everything be perfectly put away. But that's another story for another time. So... All of that was kind of happening and I wasn't highly aware of the fact that these were things that all could be connected. I knew they were problems and I heard about them constantly, but um, it was not something that I knew meant anything other than I was just lazy. Uh, As a matter of fact, that was another very popular thing to hear. Uh, that I was lazy, and it took me quite a while to realize that I wasn't, took till my adulthood. Um, and looking back, you know, one of the things that I always thought was kind of weird, and this is this was all the way up until I got my diagnosis, was if I didn't want to do something, it was like I froze, and I could sit there and stare at whatever it was that I needed to do, and it would take me like minutes to hours to finally get to a point where I could do it. The best example would be um, I used to have to vacuum the dining room. That was something that I was expected to do is vacuum the dining room. But for some reason, I hated vacuums. Um, And I'm actually starting to just now realize that this was probably a sensory thing um, because ADHDers are also known for having uh, very sensory centered issues. Um, 
It could be, you know, due to taste or texture or sound. And I never liked the sound of the uh, vacuum cleaner. And so there would be times where I would literally be sitting in the dining room looking at this vacuum, thinking that all I had to do was get up and do it and that would work for me. And I I just couldn't do it. Um, Or if I did, it took me like 30 minutes, 45 minutes to even stand up and do this room that was so small that vacuuming took me 10 minutes at worst. Um, So, you know, that was also a problem. Executive dysfunction was a problem from the very beginning. And unfortunately, a lot of people see those issues as laziness. Now, a lot of people ask, well, what's the difference between laziness and executive dysfunction? And there are a bunch, but the number one thing is that lazy people don't want to do things. Okay. It's not just a matter of like not wanting to do them personally, but they not only don't want to do things, they don't care if they get it done. They're not looking at, you know, in my case, this, this vacuum cleaner thinking, man, if I could just stand up and get this done, I would be done and I could get through to the rest of my day. They don't do that. They say, well, I'm not doing this today. And they just walk away and they never come back to it. They never want to come back to it. It doesn't haunt them later that they didn't get it done. So this was something that I didn't know at the time, obviously. But if you are out there and this sounds very familiar to you, please just know that's not laziness. More than likely, you have a brain that's just working against you. One of my other big symptoms, uh, and ultimately it was the symptom that eventually moved me to get my diagnosis was fatigue and not just regular fatigue, not just like, "Eh, I'm generally tired every day. It was like, especially if I started thinking about doing something that I didn't particularly want to do, I would get tired and I would need a nap. And that was constant. And it was something that was causing tension in my relationships with others And uh, it was just making me very frustrated. I wasn't getting as much done as I wanted to get done. So um, that's also a really big thing. We tend to have some people call it decision paralysis. And it shows itself in different ways. Sometimes it shows itself in procrastination. Sometimes it shows itself in literally freezing and not being able to do anything. And sometimes it shows itself the way that it used to show itself in me, which was constant just tiredness. And still to this day, if I don't have my day planned out, if I don't have anything that I need to be doing specifically, I can find myself kind of getting tired and floating around like a, I don't know, like a plastic bag. (laughs) The American beauty reference is, uh, is probably lost on some people, but I don't know if you got it. Thanks. But I just kind of felt myself floating around and, and, you know, I'll still feel myself kind of getting tired and frustrated and feeling absolutely no pull to anything, um, which is very common for us. Because if we don't have direction, there's too much uh, floating around for us to constantly be doing. And the very thought gets exhausting and then we just fall off the wagon. So uh, all of those things are very big symptoms that eventually led me to get my diagnosis. And I hate to say this, but my diagnosis story is going to be very anticlimactic. Um, Essentially what happened was I bought this powder on Facebook um, and it was was promising that it was going to give me energy and it did, Uh, but it also made me like, it gave me the shits to be honest. And I was kind of feeling 
bad about the fact that I was just buying stuff on Facebook at this point to give myself energy. And I decided to do one last Google search to see what could be causing my constant fatigue and ADHD came up. And at that point, it was like the sixth time ADHD had come up for a number of different things. Um, And so I finally decided to go get a diagnosis. And initially, I was going to go to my PCP, but I did not want to. I felt like, you know, my dad is a general practitioner and he will admit he doesn't really know anything about psychiatry. You know, this is something that they have to do rounds for in medical school, but they don't necessarily know a lot about it. And so I decided that I was going to try to just reach out to a place that was, that had psychiatrists and psychologists on hand and ask specifically for someone who knew about ADHD to give me my evaluation. And I called and I asked them, do I need a referral? They didn't even ask me what my insurance was. They didn't ask me anything. They just said, nope. And I said, cool, set me up for an appointment. Got an appointment for that Friday. And a week later, I had a meeting with the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist gave me medication and the rest is history. It's not always going to be that easy for everyone else. But if you take anything away from my story, it's that you need to find someone who knows ADHD, who works in ADHD, who evaluates ADHD regularly. If you're just going to your PCP and you're getting a bunch of static about wanting to get diagnosed, that's probably because they don't know anything about it. And a lot of people still think that it is the problem child disease or that it's a kid's disease or that it's a boy's disease. And the fact is that's not true, but it's gonna take a while for people to catch up on that. So if you can get in with somebody who actually deals with this on a regular basis, you are going to be better served. So that's basically it. But the last thing that I did want to bring up before I go is some of you may be listening to this and going, okay, but how is that any different from anyone else? Here's the thing, okay? A lot of things are in a spectrum. A lot of them are. And so you cannot uh, assume that because you lose things from time to time that nobody else must have ADHD. It's, It's on a spectrum. And it very much has to do with how much it interferes with your life. Let's use as an example, because for some reason, people really seem to believe better in in physical ailments still in 2022. Let's say that it's arthritis. And you have the kind of arthritis that just acts up when it rains. But someone else has constant crippling arthritis that makes it so that they can't even move. The fact that you don't suffer from arthritis every single day does not invalidate this other person's constant chronic struggle with arthritis. It still makes arthritis a thing. It doesn't make arthritis a fake malady. And it doesn't suddenly make it so that the other person who is struggling chronically and unable to get through with their day due to their arthritis, it doesn't make it so that they deserve shame for taking care of themselves and getting medication and needing special considerations. So if you are on here for whatever reason and you're kind of rolling your eyes and saying, well, everybody loses things, everybody does this, everybody does that, okay. But some of us 
I was one of those people, can't live our lives the way that we'd like to because of those symptoms. These symptoms are personal things. And what I highly suggest to you guys is whatever you do with this video, whether you watch it and you say, okay, well, that sounds like me. I, I need to go get diagnosed or that doesn't sound anything like me. Um, whatever you do, just keep in mind that there is nothing wrong with working with your brain and with living your life in a way that serves you best. As long as you're not hurting anyone, that is totally and completely fine. And you should not be beating yourself up for having a brain that doesn't work the way that they have sold as normal. Okay, so that's it. Please like and subscribe. Uh, drink some water, take care of yourself, and I will see you in the next video. Links to apps mentioned in the episode to work with me and to connect on social are all in the show notes. If this helps you and you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate the show so that I'm found by more awesome people just like you.